What worked for me was finding a mentor to help me along my journey. However, if you're not able to find someone who's local to you or in your market, then you may have to build up capital to pay for someone's time that may be in another market or just do the value exchange of seeing what you can offer them in exchange for their assistance and knowledge. But it just comes down to able for everyone who's on here. Creativity follows commitment. You're committed enough. You'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse, everyone. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I interview the top commercial real estate investors and industry experts so you can learn from their experiences. So if you're an investor, a high W-2 earner or real estate or tech sales professional that wants to invest in real estate without having to manage properties or leave your day job, then this podcast is for you. Or if you're already investing in real estate, but you're doing it part-time and you want to become a full-time multifamily or full-time commercial real estate investor, this podcast is for you too. You're going to learn a ton. You will learn from real-life multifamily investors and other professionals in the industry. They're going to share their blueprints for success. And I'm super excited that you're here. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. We are super excited today. We're super lucky and happy, humble, grateful, all the good things to have Mr. Sterling White as one of our our guests. Sterling, thanks for joining, man. I'm, I'm super excited. Yes, I do appreciate this opportunity of being on here. And those of you who are listening, go ahead and pick up a bag or so because we're going to drop tons of golden nuggets and gems. So you'll definitely want to pick those up. All right. I've had the pleasure of listening and hearing Sterling on a few different podcasts, and he is absolutely 100% on point with that. So grab a pen and a pad. If you're on a car or on a run or something, maybe you can rewind when you get to the house, but this is going to be a great show. So Sterling, I've heard you talk a little bit of, you know, about your background. You've got some expertise in finding off-market properties. You have some expertise in cold calling, dialing for dollars, driving for dollars, among a few different things. Before we kind of dig too far in, let's just at least allow you to introduce yourself. Tell my guests, tell my listeners about you, what you do, and we'll kind of back up into you know what you're doing today. But give us a great introduction, my friend. Yeah. So name is Sterling White, buy and hold investor. And I grew up in the not so good parts of the city of Indianapolis, where when you tend to drive through the neighborhoods I grew up up in. You would roll your windows up and then also lock your doors. And so grew up on welfare, Section 8 housing, food stamps, I'm sure of other government assistance, single mother, fraternal twin brother. And that was our family in essence. Was It was just us. And I remember one instance, Abel, that my brother and I, we were about five or six years old and we're sitting at the kitchen table. It's like one of those like multicolor, like Fisher Price tables or so. We're eating like ramen noodles and cut up hot dogs. And then as soon as we get done eating, we go upstairs to play Sega or something uh, like that. And a bullet comes right through the back patio where we were sitting. Oh my so gosh. Yeah. I may not be here. He may not be here, but decided myself not be a product of that environment and take a whole different path in life entrepreneur spirit came into existence my early elementary days. Kool-Aid was first product. Pokemon cars was the next. And then fast forward, how I got real estate was 2009, where things were hitting the van, you could say. 
Yeah. I got started in the construction side. And then shortly after that, got into the investing where I bought my first property, 23 years old, scaled up to 150 single families. And in 2017, made the entire shift to multifamily. And my first deal was a 46 unit. Yeah, that's super awesome. And that 46 unit, I've heard on another podcast, you actually found it, I think driving, right? You called up yep. the owner, kind of did that thing and a really great story around that. So, and also, you know, Sterling, you sound extremely humble as well in the beginnings, but also now for those that are listening, Sterling's also managed, is managing $10 million worth of capital across about 18 million or close to $19 million of real estate. So 400 units or 400 doors for those that are like, well, what's a unit? It's a 400 apartment door. So he's just got an amazing wealth of knowledge and what a tremendous story, man. That must've been crazy as a little kid. How old are you when, when that happened? That was about five or six and just, it was just another day. And there was other cases I can go into. One day I'd be playing basketball with a friend in this particular case. And that night he actually attempted to rob the pizza man in the apartments next door. And the pizza man just happened to be packing and took his life. And it was just the next day he was gone. It was okay. Well, let me just keep on playing basketball. Yeah, man. That's a tremendous kind of shaping of your frame of mind and your mindset. So I maybe we'll just start right here. What was it that said, hey, or not maybe what, that was the what, how, and did you kind of transition everything? Was it somebody that helped you? Was it, hey, you and your family? What was it that said, you know, here's how to do it. Here's what I'm going to do. So I had this, another story I have for everyone, and I'll just make it a brief cliff note version or spark note. In essence, I was at this college party, early 20s, doing what college people do, having a good time. And I drift out away from everyone. And I'm out in the middle of this lake or pond, whatever it is, in the middle of this like boat or canoe. I always can't tell the difference between the two. But this beaming question comes down to me, able and says, Sterling, is this what you want to do with your life? And up until that point, I was just drifting into average land. I was in construction. I enjoyed the real estate feel, but I knew that wasn't for me. And I answered back to this question, no, this is not. And then that's when the different trajectory really helped with, I cut off all my friends because they were not going where I wanted to go. Great people. Two, I cut out the news, huge. And then I started with the self-improvement mindset, Earl Nightingale, the Tony Robbins, the Zig Ziglar's, all of those individuals. And then that's when I ended up finding a mentor, started working for them for completely free. And that's how I really was able to ramp things up. Yeah, that's awesome. And that was a single family kind of business? Correct. Correct. Yes. First property was 23 years old, no money out of pocket in terms of getting started. I actually had negative funds in my bank account when I got started. So there's no excuses for individuals that try and say, well, I don't have the the, the cash. I don't have the know-how. There's always a way to figure it out. Yeah, man. I interviewed Jake and Gino. Gino, he kind of says, you either pay to play or seek to serve. And I Kind of the mindset of the same, which is if you have capital, you should pay for education and coaching and kind of hit that fast forward button if you have some means. If you don't, then you need to figure out how you can provide someone else value. Bartering. Do that over and over again and, you know, get their nuggets and figure out how to do that. So, you know, this is a great, you know, avenue to head down. For those people that are trying to figure out how to move from being a single family investor, kind of like you did, to potentially, hey, I want to be a multifamily individual. Let's talk for the people that may not have the means. They don't have capital freely available to say, hey, I'm going to go do it. How did you convince them to 
allow you to kind of join the company and start working? And, you know, what was it? How did you do that? Yeah. So this is one thing that I've learned from my mentor is that creativity follows commitment. For those of you, if you're committed enough, you will figure it out. If not, you'll come up with the excuse. That's very black and white, I would say on that. And if you don't want to hear the hard truth. In essence was for that individual, they were actually at my working out at my CrossFit gym. And I formed a relationship. It wasn't just I approached them and say, hey, could you be my mentor? I formed a relationship and didn't even anticipate they would be my mentor at uh, some point. So just one day overheard a conversation and about him doing construction and building out in terms of the CrossFit gym, they were expanding. And I approached and said, hey, let's go out to Subway. We sat down. And then from there, I said, how can I be of value to your business? I'm here to help. And then from there, here's the kicker. You don't have to pay me anything. So that's the very next day I was in this property management company. And one, the main value that I brought was I brought a digital presence to his business because he was more of an older, old school operator. And then also he was looking to diversify from multifamily to single family. Normally it's the other way. And he didn't have the time to find the deals, but he had the cash. I didn't have the cash, but I did have the time. Yeah, I love it. That digital part of it. There's a lot of real estate investors, a lot of individuals in the business that unfortunately they just never have, they've never had a need to. They're like, why do I, you know, why should I go do that? But it's so valuable, especially when you're raising capital, especially when you're trying to put together deals, bigger deals, syndications, those types of things. It's, it's important. And, uh, you know, if you can find somebody to help you, so that's a great way. And a lot of the younger people today, I mean, we grew up on computers, right? So exactly. it's, it's just like, yeah, second nature does. I'll put a PowerPoint together, put a deck give, together, you know. I'll give you an example, Abel. There was a individual, he's not in real estate, he's another local business owner, but he's past his 50s. And we were, I was doing a Google doc with, cause we were all just <laughs> talking amongst other entrepreneurs and I had it up there. He's like, are you doing that in real time? You're on your laptop and we're doing, it was for me is it was just second nature, but yeah. for that. So that's like the magic. value. Yeah. So that's <laughs> the value exchange that someone can bring many people, yeah. especially younger. Like they try to use excuse. I'm too young, but you being young is you have something that you can exchange with someone else. You just have to figure it out. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so we do have, I believe on our show, we do have a lot of passive investors and people that are trying to be a general partner for the first time. So that's a great nugget for those that don't have any money. For those that do have money, you deal with a lot of investors, you work with a lot of capital, very sophisticated investors, things like that. What would your advice be for some of those people? The people with means, they already got a good high paying W-2, or maybe they had an exit recently and they have a big you know, a chunk of capital. What's your advice on how to get in the world? So is this a passive investor looking to be an operator or a GP and run their let's, own deals is what you mentioned? Let's talk about both. Let's, you know, for the passive investor and then go one step further. Hey, you know, I want to, I want to do what you're doing, Sterling. Yeah. So in essence, myself was just becoming self-aware, what are the things I'm good at and what are the things I'm not good at? And then build a team around those weaknesses. That way I can hone in on my strengths. Me, marketing, property acquisitions, I enjoy that aspect. But when it comes to deal analysis, running numbers, operations, that's something I don't enjoy so much and just ended up putting the right people uh, in place. And then in terms of raising capital and finding investors, I know this was an earlier question. Uh, one thing was starting with your power base, friends and family. 
or friends of friends. So just tapping into that people who already know you and hopefully do trust you. If not, that's a whole nother conversation. But uh, and then from there, you want to start to expand outside of that. So myself is I started to build a personal brand. I had my own podcast, which is the real estate experience. I was on. Po- oh, go ahead. No, you've done a ton of podcasts. Yeah, well. exactly. How, how long have you been podcasting? Well, for or how many own, episodes or what? Yeah, yeah. For you, yeah. For mine, I have lost count, but I know it's just under a hundred or so. Okay, it's, and, it's quite a bit. In and I a saw a bunch very of interviews of you as well. I saw a bunch of interviews. So I'm like dating back to like 2017. I go, was there even podcasts there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just one of those things is understanding your investor avatar or where your ideal investor would be. They listen to podcasts. And then also see, understand where their ears are and where their eyeballs are and position yourself to be of value. So just using certain channels, I decided to maximize channels. So being on podcasts, I have my own podcast, being on biggerpockets.com. That's another one. And oh con- yeah, you were a big yeah. contributor over there as well. Huge, right? Still in terms of contribution. And that's where someone can start too. And then also local meetups. So just networking. So it depends on where someone is looking to go. We're raising millions of dollars. So that's why decided to even expand even further. But mm-hmm. if someone is not looking to go that scale, then they could just start with a simple meetup and just network with individuals, form those relationships. And then that's when they can bring the value to have them earn money with their money and you bring the deal. So that's someone looking to be an operator. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. And I know I took you in a couple of different directions quickly, but it was, yeah, I kind of heard, hey, friends and family start there building a brand, creating some influence, and then, you know, use those platforms as we kind of say now, like we use that word con- frequently today, but five years ago, you're like, what's a platform? Your podcast, your brand, your social, all of these different things are platforms to, to kind of build upon. Yeah. Instead of being used by the channels, let's say you can use Instagram, your own, you can create a YouTube channel and post your podcast material. Instead of going to YouTube or Instagram and consuming the content, you can actually leverage the platform to get your message and your brand out there. So that's another thing is, and it's free. Oh my God, it is free. I mean, you can drop content on YouTube. They house it. It is free. All it takes is commitment and energy. In yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I did hear somebody say, I can't remember who it was, but they kind of had said, Hey, I stay off of social media. And I'm thinking in my head, I go, You're one of the biggest individuals that I see as a contributor of content. And he ended up, you know, his whole sentence was, or his whole frame of mind was, I stay off social media. I couldn't be a consumer anymore because I would click one, you know, add oh, down the, the second, hole. third. Yeah. And pretty soon it was 30 minutes of his time. And he goes, now I'm still a huge content contributor, but I just don't consume. I send it all out. And yeah, if you use the platforms in the right way, now you're like, hey, you're getting all the benefit without any of the the drawbacks of it. So, man, that's awesome. That's good stuff there. Okay, so you gave some great, great quick nuggets. Let's talk about, I think, where one of your stronger skills, finding off-market properties. This is like... This is one of those conversations or topics that I always hear any really experienced, any really highly successful, you know, individual with thousands and thousands of doors. It's like broker. I talked to a broker and any big deal, you know, over 50 units is broker and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we recognize, I think those same people that say that 
they recognize, yeah, there's deals that get found every day on off market. Mm -hmm. I just don't do that. I talk to a broker. And then in the same kind of conversation, they kind of, you know, maybe even complained a little bit like, oh, this broker told me I was the only person that saw this deal. And I found out they sent it to 10 other people that day. Off market, quote unquote. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What happened to that? So you've been able to have some success and find literally your own off market properties. So let's dig into this, man. This would be a great conversation. Tell us like what it is, how you do it. And we'll just start there. Hello, hello, this is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. After listening to a few episodes, deep down, do you know that multifamily and commercial real estate investing is one of the best ways to create financial freedom? If you said yes to that question and you are where I was a few years ago, then I'd absolutely love to connect with you. A few years ago, I started personally consuming a ton of real estate education. I traveled all over the country, as many real estate conferences and seminars that I could go to. I took 200 plus hours of real estate education. I spent thousands of dollars along the way. And I did this because I knew the path to financial freedom for me and my family was through commercial real estate and syndication. So if you've made a similar decision, I'd love to connect with you. And potentially in the future, I'd love to partner with you as well. Take a moment, go to 5tcre.com forward slash invest, and I'd love to set up a time to talk. Yeah, so the most recent deal that was off market was 156 unit. This was a little bit in terms of the largest one that was purchased off market, because many people say, and it is true, the higher the unit count you go, the more sophisticated the operator is. And many of those operators will say, why would I sell to you off market when I can just list it with the broker and get more? So it just comes down to sales and negotiation. Even when you're buying or selling, I learned that from my mentor, but in essence is just take the cold call approach. So so now we just build our own list. So if a broker sends you a deal, you don't go around the broker and go direct to owner. We take the approach of we'll use a database such as Reonomy, not affiliated with this, or either a CoStar that has all this information of, let's say, apartments in Indianapolis between 75 to 200 units. And then we will go ahead and sift through those, find the ones that haven't been sold within the past five years and look for the ones that are distressed. I would say 1970s to 2000s and see the ones that are underrended, may have some bad uh, Google reviews. And then from there, we'll scrape through that. And then we'll just start the cold calling process. Yeah. After we found out who, since it's owned the LLC, you have to find out who filed the LLC. That's a whole nother conversation itself. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. There's probably a ton of any one of these things that you just said is probably like a 20, 30 minute discussion. Yeah, you could just you know, unpack could, so many of it. But let's talk about a few high level ones. When you say I'm going to sift through, you search for, you weed out from that list. How do you even say this is the, these are the factors that I'm, I'm going to go through? And I've heard you say this on other shows, but I'd, I'd love you to you know kind of hit it here. So one, looking primarily for mom and pop operators, if it's owned in a large corporation, such as there's Gene Glick, which is one of the largest in terms of just across the country. So if they own it, then if they were to sell, then they would go with the broker. So we're just looking for more of those mom and pop operators. And then to see that the rents are under rented by about 75 to to $100. But I would say just primarily on a high level is sifting through the ones that haven't sold in the past five years and just looking for more of those uh, smaller operators, mom and pop ran. 
Got it. So for those investors that are listening, whether you're a passive investor looking to invest in a syndication or you're an active participant and either you're thinking about how to get your first GP deal, you can actually go and find these on these data points, ListSource and CoStar and Reonomy, like certainly talking about, get that list and start calling them. So you filter then through, you know, exactly what Sterling is mentioning, depending on your, you know, your neighborhood, your market, your submarket, do you want to do value add, improve it, or do you want to have a little appreciation or, you know, whatever you're looking for, right? And how do you know if it's a mom and pop or not? Is it just LLC versus a name? Or do you actually like research the LLC and say, oh, this is, these guys are big or small? Yeah, that's what it is, is one, we researched the LLC. I'm very familiar, especially here in Indianapolis, who the owner, if the if it's owned under a specific, some LLCs or some operators actually name it similar to their other apartments and LLCs. There's yeah. that. If you see and, the same name over and over again, you're probably like big guy. Exactly. There's that. And then also if we don't see that uh, and then we find out who will we'll leverage the articles of organization and then we'll see who the managing member is. And if we see, oh, it's X, Y, Z, we know they're with that large corporation. That's we'll still put it in our database. But it's not something because I like to look at it as the 80-20 principle, which I like more so the 90-10 principle, because I would say out of all the deals that we've acquired off market is that there's been a common thread with the mom and pop, meaning that it was distressed. The occupancy may have been a, a little bit lower. There was a desire and a need to sell versus if it was a larger corporation or that they said, yeah, I'd be willing to sell for the right price. Those are the ones that even when we keep following up, we don't have much success with. Yeah. Okay. That sounds great. So continue down this tactical step, right? For the effort, maybe today versus when you first started, you were doing all of this, I would imagine. And then now- I was doing driving for dollars for starting out versus now have scaled it to more just pulling lists. Yeah. So let's talk about what you're doing today. What do you leverage like, you know, outsource either employees or workers or assistants? And then what do you do yourself? And that would be awesome. Yeah. So now it's just me taking the appointments. So I have a team of cold callers in essence that I will say, let's go to Fort Wayne, Indiana, or any given market. Let's pull all the leads that fit this criteria. So now the team does that. And then they're the one that places all these outbound calls. Before that, I was doing all of that. And then I would go to the markets and coordinate, meet with the owners and all that. But now it's just, I push myself up to when someone raises their hand, they express interest. That's when the appointment gets set for me. And then that's when I end up taking it to closing table to see if it makes sense on the underwriting side uh, and then reach out to the investors and start raising money, all of that. But I would say a lot of the front end legwork is done by the team. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's the true essence, right? Of a true entrepreneur is like, how do I create those systems that they, I can leverage other people's time, other people's, you know, whether it's expertise or knowledge, and you're trying to figure out how to do that best. And that sounds like a great area of leverage. How long did it take you to get there? Was it your second deal, your fifth deal? Your, how long in that spectrum of, I used to do it myself. And I finally got to a point where I you know, hired my first person and then my second person team or, you know, talk to us a little bit about that evolution. I would say it was after the third deal. So after the first one, I led that one. Then we had someone else also help too. And we were working side by side and then they ended up 
drifting to shift to a, another company. So I ended up getting back into the trenches. So I would say after the third deal, and this is why it's so important for everyone in terms of the experience here for me is to document what you're doing, especially when you're first starting out. It's so good to understand all the moving parts, how to do the cold calls, what's the structure of the call, how to pull lists, documented. We use Asana. You can use Google Docs. I'm not affiliated with any of these. Document what you do. That way you can push yourself up. Because one thing I learned is not wanting to be the solopreneur. An actual operator is the one that puts systems, SOPs, so standard operating procedures in place. That way, once you hire someone, you're not having to constantly, okay, what did I do last time? And then you're fully trusting on them. You want to trust them, but you also want to give them guidelines to work in between two. If not, you'll be super frustrated as an operator. Yeah. Those are a bunch of gold nuggets. As you mentioned, <laughs> you would have a few. That one was a big one. If you are becoming a new GP or trying to get in your first, second, third deal, whatever, that right there, it's absolutely key. Whether or not you're finding off-market properties or figuring out how to manage your property management team on a weekly basis or whatever, it's like, man, just document these things, get your SOPs and follow it. And it'll make your life way easier. It's not as fun when you're doing it, but yeah. it's so important. And you look at the the largest corporations, their systems are tight because yeah. they've got the procedures that are in place. So it's just replicating what they do. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So following down the path, right? We've identified, we know our targets now they're setting up the calls for you. And I forget which movie it is, but they're yelling, Recco, and, and someone's writing over the <laughs> desk. And, and Sterling's like, I got this one. Just get on the phone, set up that appointment. So what do you say? Like, what in the world do you say for the first time? Or actually, what does your team say? Or Because they're setting up the appointment for you and said, hey, my boss is interested in talking or maybe talk through that step-by-step, step, please. Yeah. So the first question I ask when we get on the, the phone after the appointment is set is why now in terms of your consideration on selling? And I've had some calls that were set for me. They said, well, I mean, you called me. I just wanted to hear what you had to offer. That's someone who's not very serious from that standpoint. If we hop on the call and they say, yeah, the property's been uh, occupied 75, 80%. I'm just looking to move on and just do another venture, or this is my last apartment. So those are the types of questions that I ask to further dig. What updates have you made to the property since you've owned it? They say I've owned it for 15 years and haven't really made too much uh, updates. So that gives, that's another indicator. Yeah, you're like, uh, so, value add, baby. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, great. Oh, you haven't done anything in 20 years? Oh, great. I mean, that's <laughs> horrible. That's, yeah, it's bad. Anyways, go ahead. And then from there, look to obtain the financials, so the rent roll, as well as the trailing 12 financials, and then just run it through a quick analysis to see where we would be at in terms of offer and see if it's remotely close to where they would want to be. Yep. And you know what? Now, so on this profit and loss, this trailing 12 rent roll, these are intimate company details. These are like crown jewels of some other companies, which we just say, hey, send over all your financials. And we kind of take it for granted that we're asking for like their internal workings. Yeah, uh, we have exactly. to sign an NDA and usually stuff like that. But And that's what we offer too. We're yeah. more than, we'll, we'll sign a confidentiality agreement to make you comfortable. Yeah. And so we kind of get into the discussion, but you as investors, we absolutely need that because we're buying, you know, commercial multifamily apartment complexes, but we're really buying assets that generate, you know, income. And it's like, this is my income stream. How much income does it create? Right. Like you said, a business. So in the beginning, when you didn't have track record, 
what did you say to convince that owner to say, hey, send over all your financials and then maybe how's it changed to today? Now, you know, you've got a business, it's formal, you're, you're up and running and, you know, people can Google you pretty quickly and say, hey, you're, you're the man. <laughs> yeah. So on that, that very first one, the 46 unit deal really didn't even have in the back of my head is one, it's all sales, your ability to sell and just use our track record on all the single families that we had. Hey, we had this uh, in terms of our ability to close. Also, the property was closer to about 65% occupancy. So there was no, it would be difficult to actually get financing from a bank. So we actually negotiated with the owner to do seller financing. So total price was 900,000. Mm-hmm. And then we had to put $200,000 down. So we just showed them in our bank, we have the money to actually yeah. purchase the property. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Great. Here it is. <laughs> you know, and if he was motivated, if you said you started with why, then I'm actually want to have a conversation with you as opposed to not motivated. Nah, yeah, go this, ahead and kick rocks. <laughs> this was his last apartment and he was shifting from being an operator to debt collectors to go after the people that were actually delinquent yeah. on their rent. So yeah. that was his two key motivations <laughs> that were there. I like that. <laughs> You know, he shifted. He's now a debt collector. And you're like, oh, this is a drag. Yeah, this is the business I want to be in. (laughs) The other side. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. Well, all of these are fantastic points and and I really appreciate it. And so you've landed these deals. You've done it over and over again. You had to raise a lot of capital and you touched on it for a moment. Start with family and friends. You kind of build your platform. Talk to us today about that operations, like, how do you do it? How do I, you know, raise millions of dollars for my next deal? How do I, you know, stay up with everything? I'd love to hear any, any and all of your insights here. Yeah. So one is it's, there is a team involved and it just comes down to once the continuing nurturing those relationships with your investor partners and then always doing a soft commitment before. That's what we like to do is we'll post on our website, sonderinvestmentgroup.com and we'll post a sample deal. And then from there is we'll say, we'll have phone calls with investors and then we'll start to drive them to that and say, Hey, if we had this opportunity, how much would you consider investing? So they'll, let's say, do a soft commitment of $50,000. And then we'll have a total of soft commitments, $1 million or 1.5. And then once we actually open up opportunity, we tap right into all those individuals that had their soft commitments. So that's our process on that. Got it. Set up the platform. You're in this case, your website, you're, you're actually driving, probably using your social influence, the platform that you've created. You probably have a lot of interest now coming to you, direct them to this, you know, quote unquote funnel, et cetera, and then continue moving forward. Okay. That's, that sounds great. So what is your next acquisitions? What are your next deals that you're doing? How big are your capital raises? And then that's a good, good kind of closing point here. Yeah. So the most recent was 2.8 million of the raise of equity. A portion of that was a down payment and another portion of that was towards the improvements. However, before that, the average raise was closer to about $1.5 million on the equity side. So right now it's just steadily on the acquisitions. We're COVID at this moment in time. We're in COVID. We've got the elections. I'm not going into politics or anything, but quite a bit of uncertainty. We're still got our foot on the gas. But in essence, is we're just combing through a lot of inventory in order to find ones that work. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, we're recording on November the 3rd. So we'll, we'll see what happens when this airs. We'll already have a see who won or not. But 
yeah, in either case, you're like, okay, still foot on the gas. It's just a matter of finding the right asset, the right opportunity, the right property, and and uh, we'll go get it, right? Hey, before you go, we've got a kind of hard stop here. Where can our listeners and guests, if somebody wants to learn more from you, get into your world, et cetera, where should we reach out to? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, Sterling White Official. One more time, that is Sterling White Official, either or at my website, sonderinvestmentgroup.com that is s-o-n-d-e-r investmentgroup.com all right that sounds awesome hey so what didn't we talk about today or what did i not ask you that you wanted to highlight bring some exposure to or just even leave us with some parting words take as much time I would say mindset, you guys. I am a firm believer that's where it all starts. I went into some very technical aspects of being able to find deals, and but I believe it all starts with mindset. My personal experience here is about 95% of that, and then the remaining 5% are the actual tactics. Many people, I could share all these. There's so much information out there, but people just don't have the right mindset to actually execute. So that's why it's usually a finite of individuals that are actually in the game doing the deals such a small percentage of people that will take the tactics that you talked about and actually go apply them. And that's one of the hardest things, you know, to kind of see it's just, there's so much information that is really good. It's just a matter of taking action, right? It's super hard to do that. Sometimes that last kind of question on it, maybe encouragement, inspiration, motivation, man, I want to take action. What the heck do I do, Sterling? I've been I've been reading books, I've been listening to podcasts, and I want to move. Give them some last insight here. Yeah. What worked for me was finding a mentor to help me along my journey. However, if you're not able to find someone who's local to you or in your market, then you may have to build up capital to pay for someone's time that may be in another market or just do the value exchange of seeing what you can offer them in exchange for their assistance and knowledge. But it just comes down to able for everyone who's on here. Creativity follows commitment. You're committed enough. You'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse, everyone. Yeah, Sterling, I look forward to having you again. I want to have you back and we'll have more time and and talk about a bunch of other topics down the road. So man, thank you very much. My name is Abel Pacheco. I'm your host for the Five Talents Podcast. And if you heard something today that you appreciated, which I think there was a few things, review, rate, subscribe our podcast, and then go reach out to Sterling as well. Leave him a note, tell him you appreciate his time. And thank you very much. We look forward to seeing you on our next show. Thanks, Sterling. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. Each week, we're going to bring you interviews from other industry experts and commercial real estate investors who followed their dreams and achieved massive success. If you enjoyed this episode, then you're going to want a copy of our Passive Investor's Guide, Tackling Commercial Real Estate the Easy Way. It's the guide we use to invest in $93 million of commercial real estate. It's a 65-page ebook. It's a great resource to learn the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications. And we're going to show you how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. So if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating, I'm going to give you a free copy. So take a moment to do that now. We'd appreciate it. And then you can register for the book at 5tcre.com forward slash ebook, 5tcre.com forward slash ebook. Let us know and we're going to send you a copy. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast.